Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We glorify you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We glorify you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Uh, you, you can go ahead and be seated, but let's just stay hooked up. Amen. Um, I'm finding this more and more that when I come to meetings, I come without, uh, how do you say this, full knowing of what God wants to do. So we have to get here to step into. My husband always made this statement that was such a help. He said, if you don't know what to do in a service. Now, for those who are watching and go, well, why don't you know what you're doing in a service? Well, I'm talking about in the sense of how the Spirit is leading. You know, ministers have scores of prepared sermons, but that doesn't mean that's what the Spirit wants. So when we talk about knowing what to do, it's not because of unpreparedness, it's because we're prepared to follow Him. And so my husband made this statement uh, years ago that was a huge help. And he's speaking to me and ministers in general. He said, when you don't know what to do in a service, because I've walked in services so many times, had a prepared sermon and it just, let me go after you. Where did you go? You know? And he said, when you get to the pulpit and you don't know what to do, go with the first thing that comes to you when you get in the pulpit. Then sometimes you can recognize that there's unction on that when you do it and then people will flip back to the sermon they prepared and go back off course. You can get on course, but then you can get off course if you flip back to what you planned. So I said to Pastor Debbie, she, she's staying at me with, at, with me at the house, and I, I was walking out, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. So let's go to church and find out what we're doing. And you get in that atmosphere of the anointing, and if I could say this, you get in the atmosphere of the needs of the people. Because what God has for us is to meet our needs. And when you get around the needs of the people, that anointing that is that God sends to meet the needs of the people, you just follow that. Praise the Lord. So when we have services like this, it's a, if I could say this, it's a divine prescription for us. Because it's for those who are hearing. Amen. And um, we've come during this week because we want to go further. We want to make changes that are needed. Why? Because we are changed from glory to glory. So change is the doorway into greater glory. 
So we've come to find out what do I need to do different than what I'm doing to go further than where I am. Praise the Lord. The the singers, y'all can go ahead and be seated and uh, we'll just, just be ready. Just be ready. Hey, Miss Joy, I'm so glad to see you, love. So pretty. Look at her. She's all that and more. Um, I keep in, in two things came up for me today and brother David hit on it as in, in this portion of the service. And that is two things, worship and response, worship and response. Um, I will pray with, there are certain ones that I'll call to come and pray with me at the house. And uh, in doing that, I think it was the last time we got together and prayed. One of the things that, because God's talking, has talked to us about the academy that he's going to give us, um, that he has given and is coming into our hands, right? But um, he prayed out something by the spirit that was interesting. And he and Pastor Noel, under the unction of the Spirit, prayed out one of the primary reasons God is giving you that property is because you will raise up true worshipers. The Bible doesn't tell us often what God seeks. He's got it all, but He does seek something. True worshipers. Worshipers are an open door to heaven into the earth. Now listen to that. Worshipers are an open door to heaven into the earth. Well, we know Jesus said, I'm the door. For redemption, he was and is. But we have, we are the body of Christ and he still needs access into the earth and we are his access. But not just every flow of our lives will invite, yes, accommodate his entrance. We can't live carnal and think that he's gonna have access. We can't live with unrenewed minds and think that's giving him access. There has to be a cooperation, a a proper response for him to have access. And um, my husband prophesied it, Dad Hagen and different ones that God has used as, as large voices in the body of Christ. And they've said about these last days, this last day revival, that all five-fold offices operating at full potential power, all nine manifestations of the Spirit operating at full potential power, that means God has to have full access. You can't have full flow with partial access. So that means someone's going to have to flow with Him 100% to have 100% potential of that gift. And so um, 
I thought it was interesting when the Spirit of God said in our prayer time that one of the primary reasons he's giving us properties and locations is because we'll raise up true worshipers. Because God seeks true worshipers. Why? Because I, I go back to something Pastor Amy Siegel said, and I think it was down in Georgetown last year. She used this illustration that in the game of tennis, that ball can go multiple directions at any time. So we don't, she talked about a player not being stuck in one part of the court because then he misses everything. So in, in tennis, they have, is it ready position? Is that what it's called? Is that there? I always ask him because I'm not a sports guy. I don't know. <laughs> ready position is you center back up. That way you're, you're, you're close to any direction from that. Worship is ready position. Worship is ready position. I can go into a prayer burden that way. I can be generous and giving the offering. I can have hear what God says and deliver it to somebody. I can go any place from ready position and worship is ready position. Worship is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. It's a releasing of faith. Jesus in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus is the high priest. He is the great high priest of our profession. We could say the word confession. He is the great high priest of our confession. It does not say he's the great high priest of our faith. He is not the great high priest of our faith. He is the author of our faith. He is not the great high priest of our faith. Why? It says he's the great high priest of our confession. What is confession? It's released faith. He cannot be the high priest of something that's not released. He can only be the high priest. What's the high priest do? He sees to the fulfillment of what is confessed. You can have faith, but faith can't fulfill anything till it's released. Worship is a confession. I said worship is confession. God said that to me some time back. He said, you are, you think that just confessing scriptures is confession. Worship is the doing of scriptures. <laughs> is that not right? When you're worshiping, you are a doer of the word. And that is, that is a confessing. And he said, so don't, he said, because the thing is, there are many things, me like you, there are many things in your heart that God's 
got your faith directed you to have your faith on. And I would get into, I would get into the mindset that it's only when I'm specifically calling out a specific verse that I'm making confession. Now, don't misunderstand me. We have to do that. You heard the sermon last night. We must be specific. My God shall supply all my need. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. We make those confessions. Absolutely. But what happens is we need an ongoing confession. And we can't just go around conducting life, quoting scripture after scripture, but you can go around throughout the days of your life. I worship you. I worship you. I work just inwardly. Even, I'm not talking about being weird out in public. I'm talking about there's an inward attention of your spirit turned toward God that it is an ongoing confession. When you're worshiping him, uh, that is an open door for him to move. Why? It is a continual releasing of faith. No wonder the psalmist said his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? That's ready position. I'm ready to go anyway in obedience, but I'm also readily releasing my faith. So when you're saying, Father, I thank you. Maybe you're believing for a home. I thank you, Father, that you give me the desires of my heart. But you don't just have to walk around. I thank you. You give me the desires of my heart. My desires are home. That's fine to say that. You should say that. You should be specific. But then after that, say, I worship you. I worship you. That is the confessing. That is a releasing of faith. You are confessing him. You're confessing him. So I cannot overemphasize this enough. And I would say this with young people, make it a habit to begin to make worship the centerpiece of your day. That is the doing of the word. Because when we are living a life of worship, our faith is right in the front of our tongue, of our speech, of our words. And as you're doing, as you're doing your work, uh, you're employed somewhere, you should be doing your job, do your job. But while you're there, you can have moments. I worship you, Father. When you go to put a paper in the, in the, in, in the tray on your desk, I worship you. It just a flow, a flow. Worship is to be the bulk of what we do throughout the day. Worshiping and praising. Come into his gates with what? Thanksgiving into his courts with praise. You can't access his presence any other way. Worry won't get you there. Fear won't get you there. What gets you there? Your needs won't get you there. Praying your needs will not get you there. But worship brings you right in. Why? Because that's the flow of what's going on around him. And when you worship, you step into what's already moving around him. Amen. 
You know, uh, the choir comes up and they sing. You know what makes all of this group effective? One word, unity. Uh Unity. Not talent, unity. So if they're all singing holy, 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 the hymn holy, 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 and then somebody comes out and they they start singing, look what the Lord has. Sit down, stop. It, it hurts the whole, you step into unity or silence it, right? Around heaven, it's worship. Step into the unity of that. Don't bring something different and try to approach him because that's not going to work. Get into unity of heaven. Worship is walking in unity with heaven. That's what the angels are doing. They're worshiping, they're praising. You've heard the account of anyone who goes to heaven. There's always the account that they say praises in the atmosphere. That one person says, praise God. And it's a domino effect all throughout heaven. Just starts resounding. Why? That's ready position. Everyone's doing it. I cannot express to you how important it is to have the spiritual habit from a genuine place that worship is our lifestyle. It's not just what we do when we go to pray. It's not just what we do when we enter a a, a service. But it is... We're driving down the road in our car. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worship you, Father. I glorify you. I guarantee you the flesh won't trip us up the same. And it'll be easier to bring your thoughts into line with the word of God when you're in unity with what heaven's doing. God is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth, not in emotion, not in performance. Praise the Lord. Anyway, God's seeking it. Why? He needs it. He needs it. Not to feel better about himself but to have access to the needs of people, to have access. Because we start flowing with what heaven's doing and the flow of heaven comes in. And we have days of heaven on earth. How do you have days of heaven on earth? Do what heaven's doing. Do what heaven's doing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I, I thank you, Pastor Amy, for that. Thank you for that. It is ready position. And if people spend pray, 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 they will get off without coming back to ready position. And what I'm talking about praying, I'm talking about just staying and staying in a certain flow of prayer. And then they sometimes they become, if I could say this, entrenched in one flow and neglect other flows. Yes. Your prayer life has to have that. But your daily life, your daily life, having, staying at ready position. Ready position. 
Um, God said something to me years ago because I sensed I needed to go further in some things of the spirit. I, this is probably 25 years ago or so. And so I took time to pray in the Holy Ghost, in the, which is right. But I got fixed on that. And I spent hours a day praying in the spirit. And after months and months and months of this, God said to me, I have not been trying to lead you into a life or how do you, how do you say it? Into uh, prayer in the spirit. Listen to that. I have not been trying to lead you into prayer in the spirit. I've been trying to lead you to life in the spirit. I got fixed on one flow of life in the spirit, which is prayer. And I left out the worship flow. I left out the praise flow. And I was not pleasing to him, even though I was praying in the spirit by the hour. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not ready position. Ready position is worship magnifying him. And you can do that in other tongues. Absolutely. In the spirit, don't leave that out. But also it needs to be in our known language so we don't get lazy. And not put forth not put forth something of ourselves to express our gratitude. So this, got, this takes us back to something. Uh, well, let me say this, and Brother Joel may have to help me with the exact wording because he quoted Dad Hagen in his book. But Dad Hagen spoke this, and I don't remember whether it was a prophecy he gave or whether he just knew, he just knew it because of walking with God. But he said, when honor and reverence are restored to, a, to the church, there will be a rest a restoration and multiplication of the miraculous power of God. When honor and reverence are restored to the church, he's not just talking about to the church services. He said to the church. We're the church even outside of church services. Worship and praise is the flow of honor and reverence. And if we will make certain that our day, the center of it is worshiping and praising him and everything else flows out of that, we are restoring to our own lives. That is an act of reverence and, and honor. And then there will be a multiplication, a restoration, multiplication uh, the miracle power of God in our own lives as well as when we come yes, together. Yes, yeah. yes. So uh, Morgan last night was talking about how God, when Brother Norval went home to be with the Lord and God told me to pick up something, yes. uh, Brother Norval, he, was, he wasn't saying pick up his sermons, but pick up what did God tell Brother Norval so that what God said to Brother Norval is not lost. And this is what God said on one occasion to Brother Norville. My children basically love me. Now that, you know, that word basic is a real undoer right there. 
You know, if you got hired for a new job and your employer that you want to impress and want to please because you want to keep your job gives you an assignment and tells you what to do and you do it. And he says, I'll come back at the end of the day and check on it. And he checks on it and said, well, basically you did a good job. Oh, that means that I didn't quite step up to his expectation or his standard. Well, you did basically a good job, meaning some things were there. Some things were in place, but it's not a full representation of what I would have liked. So when God says my children basically love me, that's, um, yeah, that's an indictment. My children basically love me. He didn't say they don't love him, but they just do the basics. My children basically love me, but they live in poverty, sickness, and defeat. That's what belongs to basic Christianity. Come on. Never developing, never renewing the mind, never going further. They just, they're saved and that's about all they know and that's about all they're okay with. That's basic. You got in the door. You got in the door, but you just stand your whole life in the threshold of the household of faith and never go further into all the rooms and enjoy and lay upon the, lay upon the accommodations of healing and recline upon the accommodations of prosperity and not partake of everything that belongs to the household of faith. Just living in the, in the, in the foyer. So he said, my children basically love me, but they live in poverty and sickness and defeat. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me enough. Enough. Now he's not talking about during a church service. He's talking about in their life. They don't worship me enough. What's enough? Dad Hagen would say to us, praise brings the anointing and the anointing destroys the yoke. What's enough? To bring the presence and the power of God into manifestation and for it to destroy those things in our life that seek to hinder and oppose us. So when he says how they don't worship me enough, enough for him to start working and manifesting. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me enough. He's not talking about earning something. He's talking about opening the door wide enough for him to move. They don't worship me enough. They're teaching faith and confession. And he said this to Brother Norville, you're praying for the sick. All these are right. But you need to worship me more and you need to teach my people to worship me more. So none of teaching None of praying for the sick will substitute for the lack of worship. None of these are an, a, 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 a fit exchange. He said, teach my people to worship me more. People have to be taught to worship. Why? Because when opposition strikes, the first thing people do is flip into worry. They have to be taught not to flip there. Flip to worship. Draw on worship. Step into worship. But if you're already there, it's easier to draw on what you're already moving in. Amen. 
When God said to me in 2011, all I want you doing is practicing peace. Yes. For two years, I emphasized that. Every thought that didn't lead me to peace, I cast it down. I lived worshiping because He is peace. There's no peace apart from the presence of God. There is none. So I focused living in the presence of God. And the way I was not drawn out of there is I cast down every thought that would have drawn me out of that place. So then two years later, when the kids come to my house and say, daddy's plane went down, I wasn't trying to find the flow. I was living in the flow. This is why you teach people to worship more so that they'll live in the flow that they want in their life instead of living in the flow of what opposition offers them for their life. If you've got to find that flow in a place of dip, in a place of opposition, there could be a faltering. You'll lose time. You'll lose ground. But if we live there, if we live there, how do we have a life in the spirit? Live always in the spirit of prayer. What's prayer? Talking to God. What's worship? Talking to God. We, th- we always think of prayer as making requests and it includes that, but it is not the largest part of, of a life of prayer. I love something George Mueller had said. He said, if you see me walking down the street, I'm talking to God. He said, if you see me anytime alone, I'm talking to God. When I wake up, I'm, I'm talking to God. When I'm going to bed, I'm talking to God. He said, that's why for my life, answers are always coming. Because he, he said, I live in the spirit of prayer. Worship is the spirit of prayer. It's the flow of ongoing prayer. It's not just making request after request and, and consciously making confessions of the scripture. Yes, do that. But I'm talking about just an ongoing flow in between doing, I worship you. I thank you, Father. It keeps you heavenly minded. It, to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. To be carnally minded is Death. So does it matter what you have your mind on? Does it matter? It does. Worship helps keep your mind on that which is life and peace. You know, healing is life. Prosperity is life. All these flows are life. And worship keeps our minds and our when I say mind, I also, I, I, I don't want to leave out the word attention. Yes. What your attention yes. is on. Yes. Worship holds your attention on life. Yes, it, it holds your attention on peace. Come on, power. And many times people are trying to learn certain steps and skills about faith, which absolutely learn them. But if they're easier to learn when you're in the flow of talking all the time. You're, you're not trying, faith becomes an unconscious flow. You're not purposefully, well, okay, what steps do I need to take? It just comes out. 
So here, God said to Brother Norville, you need to teach my people to worship me more. You have to be taught to turn toward your spirit when everything is trying to assault your mind. Praise the Lord. Then God went on and said this, I'm their God and they're my children. If you'll teach my children to worship me more, listen to this, I will do great and mighty things for them. That's all you gotta do. Worship and you get great things, you get mighty things. So notice what God has in mind for us. I want to look at that. God is offering us great and mighty things in exchange for what? Worship. We're not earning it, but he's got it prepared and only worship can receive great and mighty things because someone who doesn't worship is not enlarged enough to partake of great and mighty things. Worship will enlarge something in you. It will enlarge your capacity. Not only that, people who worship are the only ones safe with great and mighty things. You give great and mighty things to someone who's not a worshiper and they'll be backslid and they'll be off course and they'll be serving those things and it will distort them. Worship makes us safe with great and mighty things. Amen. When God says, I will do great and mighty things for them, do you know he's talking about great and mighty things on, based on his definition? What we call great and mighty is many times a weak substitute for what God calls great and mighty. Worship causes us to think in his terms, helps us. It makes the ground of our spirit fertile to where what he plants in us grows easily. You can see when uh, a crop has been fertilized and when it hasn't. Worship fertilizes the soil of our heart to where things grow quickly. They grow large. They grow. We're ready. We're ready for anything God puts in us. Amen. Worship prepares the heart. Amen. When we're worshiping, God and our heart is engaged. Um, we are worshiping almightiness. We are worshiping the omnipresent one, the omniscient one. We're, we can't spend time around that and be unchanged. Around the Father of all spirits, worshiping Him and and remain normal. Let me say, normal man. Praise the Lord. God finds such pleasure and favor in us when we worship Him that He can't help but respond. Psalm chapter 25 and verse 14. Look at this. 
Psalm chapter 25, verse 14. And I'm going to read out the Amplified Classic Translation. So if you have a device that allows you to pull that up, pull that up. Psalm chapter 25 in verse 14. <clears throat> it says, the secret of the sweet satisfying companionship of the Lord. Ah, there's a secret to having that. And he's telling us a secret. Why? Because he's not trying to keep us out of it. What, what is it? How do we have the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord? The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear revere and worship him. There's the secret. How do you live mindful of God? How do you live to where you become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself? There's the secret. Worship, honor, reverence. That means your honor level cannot match the world. Because the, the level of honor diminishes with every generation. Yes. But the church cannot take our cues from the world. No. Amen. When we live really with our hearts connected in worship to God, our standards will come to His standard. His standard will be our standard. Hallelujah. And we won't become confused about what others are confused by. The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, and worship Him. Now it says they have the secret. Worship, worship is what unlocks the secret. Now He's fixing to tell us. And He will show them His covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. You have to have this. You have to have revelation of the Word to keep moving with God, to go further with God. And to the one who worships, they position themselves to be entrusted awesome. with these revelations. Yes. God will entrust us with revelation when we see, when he sees that we handle them honorably. When we're living a life of honor. When someone is dishonorable toward you, Let's say this, they don't mind speaking against your home. They don't mind speaking against your family, right? If they are in your presence, how open are you going to be to them? You'll walk in love. Why? We don't love them because they love us. We love them because of who's in us. But when someone treats us dishonorably, we know that. We will not bear our soul to them. They will not know inner meanings of our life. They will not know inner secrets of our life. We will not go back and pour out, neither will God. And for those who worship him, they show themselves honorable enough that he will open up inner meanings of his covenant. Wow. You find a worshiper, you find someone yes. who has the light That's 
shown to them in a way that others don't. Charles Finney said this. Dad Hagen said this. They said there are, in, in the essence, this is what they said, there are inner, there are revelations my inner man feasts on that I have not found a man I can share it with. What's that mean? There is such a wealth and so rich that those who don't walk in that level would not even, they'd say you're off, you're weird because they don't, they don't have this inner revealing of the revelations. I want to be someone that men who know God can talk to. Yes. Not because I know what they know, but because I don't repel what's in them. They, they recognize she'll take this. She'll under, she'll, she might not understand this, but she'll, she'll receive this. It'll mean something. That's what you want to be. God does the same thing. Praise the Lord. That verse is too good. Let's read it again. How about that? The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who, re who fear, revere, and worship him. Worship opens up revelation. Because why? Worship is faith. And he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. Wow, wow, wow. All that belongs to worship. I said all of that belongs to worship. So worship allows us to handle and invites us to handle what the ones who don't worship can't touch. Can't touch it. Not because God withholds, but because of something in them not able to receive it. Worship, worship, worship. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When we respond to him, he responds to us. It does matter how we respond in a service. It does matter. <clears throat> Dad Hagen was in a service well, I'm not going to go there, but I will go here. Um, I've seen my husband be preaching and then close the Bible and say, everybody stand, let's be dismissed because of how they were responding. I'm done. I'm done giving it. I'm going to save it for those who. Yeah. 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 Amen. 
it does matter how we respond in service. And to sit there just, come on, come on, yeah. Yeah. Counting cables. What was it? Counting cables. Yeah. That was good. Wow. Thank you. Would you do that? Would you open up yourself no. if you just saw somebody no. doing it? No. How we respond to God determines how far He will move. That is so good. In a service. When I look out and I can see disinterested faces. See, faith should be on the face, on the countenance. Hunger should be here. Hunger should be here. Hunger should be here. And when I see people just... I walk away from them and I go over to a different section. Offering it to somebody else. So maybe you need to pay attention whose section you're sitting in in church. <laughs> because a minister can tell who's drawing and who isn't. In a, um, in a marriage, response determines how far the fellowship within that marriage will go. Relationship and fellowship are two different things. We, our relationship with God is he's our father. We're his child. That's the relationship. But what happens after that is the fellowship. You can be in relationship and not enjoy any fellowship, other relationship. And that's what the New Testament doesn't talk about relationship. It talks about fellowship. In a marriage, people can be in a relationship and have very little fellowship and even no fellowship. I've seen marriages with no fellowship because of how they responded to one another. It was all based on response. Our fellowship will dictate, is dictated by our response. Yes. Our response to the word, our response to the spirit, our response to how the spirit's moving in a service. Our life, even outside the services, is a picture of what we're responding to. Every day we're responding to something. It might as well be something you want your life to be full of. You respond to fear, your life will have it. You respond to worry, our lives will have it. You respond to wrong thinking, our lives will have it. You respond to offense, your life will have it. Our lives are full of what we're responding to. If we don't like what we have, respond to something different. In a marriage, if a husband and a wife have been having a little tiff, is that the way you'd say it? A tense tiff? Um, and let's decide, let's say they, they just couldn't find common ground there on a certain subject and it goes cold and the husband decides, you know what? We need to put this away. And he goes to put his arm around her and she goes, I'm not done. Right. I'm not done. 
the sh the, that response, he will not go any further. And if he tries, <laughs> y'all laugh because of experience. <laughs> The way when someone moves toward you, yeah. how you respond to that determines what they do, even with God. That is so good. When he moves toward us in a service by his spirit and we go, one, two, one, two, three. He draws back. He does. Why? Because you told him you weren't interested. Because you were interested in something else. People don't realize that their lack of interest will rob them of miracles. Rob them of miracles. Worship helps us to stay focused on that which is worthy of our attention so that we don't spend our lives on the unimportant. Right, right. Amen. It's, who would have thought God wants to get all the things he's made ours, he wants to get them into our life. And you've got to deal with multi, billions of people that come from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of thinking, and you've got to get all of them in the place where they can receive what you provided. Boy, that sounds huge, but God is the genius of God, simplifies everything, that this task looks huge, and he boils it down to one word, if you'll worship me. If you'll worship me. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your education is, your lack of education. I don't care whether you were raised in, in a home that hated God. I don't care if you were raised in a spiritual home. I don't care how great your need is. If you will do one thing, worship me. All that is mine, you enjoy. That's the genius of God. He brought it so simple, so simple. If you'll just do this, all that I have for you has an open door. Praise God. The Father seeketh such to work, those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. He needs examples of worshipers. Yes, he does. Now, he needs examples of churches who worship. Because singing songs with Jesus in it or scriptures in a, not doctrine, but just because it's categorized as the genre of Christian does not mean it's worship. Oh my God. 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 
Amen. When worship looks like performance, uh-huh. yes. it's performance. What it looks like is what it is. When we come together, it's not right that we give him less than why he brought us together. He brought us together for a purpose. So we will worship him so he can open up his covenant to us. That's what we read in Psalm. And it's amazing that God takes your need my need and the need of everybody in the room and says, if you'll bring it into the flow of worship, every need met. That's what he told brother, brother Norville. If you'll teach my people to worship me more, I will do, I will do, I will do great and mighty things for them, for them. So what really is the center of what I'm trying to get across to us. A life of worship, not just times of worship. A life of worship. Why? Because that worshiping life is ready to follow the spirit. Be a doer of the word. Do this, do that, because it's ever sensitive. It's ever releasing faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it does matter how we respond in church services because if we're all, if you're off on your phone do, doing diddling, getting up and walking around and going here and going there, well, I'm not, I'm not scheduled. I'm not on the calendar. I'm not scheduled. Served. How you respond in the service, the spirit sees. He sees who is uninterested. And our lack of interest can rob others of miracles. So even if we're serving somehow and we need to be engaged in the whole service. Amen. Amen. We don't just show up for, to do our post. We show up to make a door. Be a door. Be a door. So young people, get, the, get done with the habit of this device stuff. It will cheat you and rob you of the best life. And it robs others. It robs you. It, it's a thief. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll be glad to do it through a device. Devices aren't evil. But people who are undisciplined. Texting during services. The Holy Ghost sees that. He sees that. And it grieves him. That, that husband that's trying to bring back fellowship and he sees the wife reach over and 
fiddle with something over here. She, yeah. She's not interested in putting this right. She's not interested in putting this right. And even though we might not be doing something blatant, the Spirit of God knows if we're interested or not. That's right. He does. And the Father is seeking because there are very few who have disciplined their flesh, flesh enough to allow Him to move through them. Amen. Well, what the, what the minister's preaching on, I don't really have a need in. If I, if I did sign language, <laughs> it's not about the topic. It's about the heart receiving, being fertile ground because God can pre God can put a sermon in a man's mouth and it might not be your immediate need, but God will open up his covenant. Did we not read that? He will open up his covenant. And when your pastor says, go to such and such on marriage, and you might not even be married, you go, that doesn't apply to me. But when you look at that verse, something in there will open to you. That based on what your life calls for. And in this entertained generation, they have been robbed from him manifesting right. as he wants to because of how they, how, how they act or respond or don't respond in a service. That is right. Because they're engaged in scrolling or just checking this real quick. Okay. I've told this story before, but it, it, it's so suitable here. There was a woman during the healing revival, lived down in Dallas, Texas. Texas. They called her a female Wigglesworth. And she did tent crusades. In one of her tent crusades, there were conjoined twins separated in her service. You know what conjoined twins are? When the bodies grow together in the womb, They'll share sometimes organs, bones, nerves, tissue. Some can be more severely conjoined and others not as severely conjoined. And so these ministers, this was back during about the 80s. She was older woman then. She was like in her 80s, 90s. She was not traveling anymore. And these ministers, because what a notable miracle, right? They wanted to talk to her about this. And she was very private. She was a woman that did not cast herself easy, sure, sure. lightly yeah. into yeah. the lives of others. And so this one pastor got to know her. He took the time to develop a rapport with her and repeatedly met with her. And he, be, he, had, he didn't talk to her about that because she didn't cast that out yeah. lightly. Yeah. And so it was his intent though, because he had some minister friends, they knew about, they wanted to meet her. They wanted to hear this firsthand. He got her to the point where he, he invited her to, to lunch one day and said, I have some minister friends that we would just like to come and ask you questions. And she agreed to that, but it took him a time to develop sure. a rapport with her to even get to that place. So they're at lunch at this restaurant and they are asking her questions. She's answering questions. And the pastor that's developed this report is building up to, he yeah. wants to talk about this one miracle. Yeah. 
So he gets her talking and they, they're, she's conversing, she's opening up. He gets ready and he says, Sister, we've heard the miracle of the conjoined twins separated under your ministry. Can you tell us about that? She got ready to talk about that and the waiter walked by and one of the guys sitting at the table held up his glass of water to the woman, didn't say anything, to the, just pointed to it. Like, can you feel my glass? She saw it. She said, you're not interested. That was it. Done. That's it. Why? You were more interested right. in your drink. That's right. Yes. Now, see, we think that's severe. Not to no, people not. who know these realms. Is this right. is not play that's stuff. Right. That is right. Amen. There's nothing more. This doesn't belong to uninterested right. people. Right. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. That's right. Are you calling the Christians a swine? Anyone who doesn't know the difference. Come on. Between a glass of water and hearing a miracle. Anyone who doesn't know the difference between put down your phone, put down your device, and receive of the word that's being preached. You're not ready. You're not ready. Worship will keep your interest on the right thing. Worship will hold your interest on the right thing. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Father, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. We glorify you, we glorify. Can, sometimes God works something in us in services and we, it lands in us in such a big way in a service. The way to continue to walk in that is when you get back to your, the privacy of your hotel room, your bedroom, your home, wherever, take a few moments and worship God for what you received. It will keep the flow of the freshness of that. Acknowledge what you received. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.